0: Hey, you're listening to Chew on That, and here's what we're chewing on today. You know, in the midst of everything that's been going on, I decided to just slow it down even more, to try to squeeze every little bit of juice we can from these passages. So today, I want to continue talking about the wind.
1: To chew on that. My name is Pastor Scott, uh, and today with me is my friend Jim Baumkamp. Say hello, Jim. Hi. Uh, so glad that you're here. So listen, today we're going to go over the most recent message uh, from the uh, series being uh, taught at Life Church in De Pere. Uh, this week it's uh, once again our friend Sean Hennessy. And so, but before we get into that, Jim, maybe just uh, tell those that don't know you maybe a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. So um, I grew up in uh, Northern Arizona, and uh, I was. Uh, Part of, I lived in a small town, and um, I uh, my my youth was uh, really kind of messed up. I got involved in drugs at the age of twelve, and you know was doing drugs every day and drinking and and uh, very rebellious and got involved in the hippie movement and I uh, didn't get a haircut for six and a half years, Gosh. and uh, you know I was a very rebellious you know obnoxious kid and I was also like an atheist and stuff, and uh, so uh but i did pretty well in school god gave me a a, a a certain amount of intelligence to be able to somehow get through school and actually do really well even though i was doing drugs all the time and sometimes even in school and so forth and But uh, my freshman year in college in January 1973, a friend shared how he had come to uh, uh, know Jesus in in his life and have have started his Jesus journey. And uh, so he told me his story and and we talked and we talked and uh, he was the last person I expected at that time to you know, to really be telling me these things. So instead of arguing with him, I just started asking him questions. And of course the rest is history. But so I became uh, a Jesus person in, in uh, my freshman year of college. And then I moved back to my hometown and uh, me and and a couple other guys, we uh, began to to room together, stay in this house, and we had Bible studies every day, and and we had prayer meetings every night. And pretty soon the, the room filled up, and we, you know we felt like we were on a mission to uh, to really try to bring all of our friends that we knew before to to know Jesus as we had. And so we were just telling people about Jesus everywhere, all the time, you know, praying for them everywhere. We, we taped their names all over the walls and all over the house. And every time you saw one, you were supposed to pray. And, you know, uh, we just had an awesome time. And after that summer, then uh, uh, two of us went off to, to Bible college because we felt that we were, that God was going to use us in, a, in some sort of a ministry, myself and, and uh, my friend, uh, uh, Bill White, who uh, is now a, a, a a pastors, a very large church in Miami. But, uh, anyway, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, I, I went on and uh, I was involved uh, for a long time in music ministry because I, I'd been in a rock band for all through high school and and we were very popular in that area. And so I thought that my calling was probably going to be music. So for probably 15 years, I was going around doing evangelism with, you know, touring around with bands and playing in, uh, at, you know, detention centers and jails and prisons and women's prisons and, you know, just uh, drug I, I, did I say drug rehab? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm probably rehabbing myself. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, the uh, you know we we shared the gospel a lot, and but the Lord finally you know really kind of showed me that He was calling me to to pastor at that time. So we ended up uh, over a period of twenty years, we planted two churches, and uh, we uh, you know I pastored them for uh, for most of that time, and I I had to work full time and pastor. And uh, it, anyway, it, when I stepped down from the last church here, we, we turned it over to the leadership. felt we felt like we'd done what we were supposed to do. Then we in, ended up over here at Life Church. And the thing that's really fascinated me here at Life Church with uh, Sean and 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 everything that's going on here is that I don't really know another church, uh, it, in my experience anyway, uh, that is is drawing in millennial the millennial generation like uh, like here at Life Church, and mm. they're just you know in droves uh, people coming in. And and so it's just fascinating to me. And I still have this, this heart of evangelism. You know, I'm, I'm gifted as an evangelist. And so, uh, you know, I just, uh, we've, we've hung around here and now we're part of the, uh, the downtown uh, ministry plant and so forth. So
1: yeah, we're gl- glad and lucky to have you. So you're Thank a big you. part of what we're doing downtown and I love that. So let's just jump right into uh, the things that uh, Sean had to say. We'll take them bit by bit, bite by bite. So let's do the first one but both
0: groups of people even though they believe different things they're both put off by Paul and so because they're put off they say this what's this gutter sparrow with this scrap heap learning trying to say and in their misunderstanding of him they do everything they can to berate and belittle him how many of us do that to people that we don't understand we berate them we belittle them
1: you know You can't log into Facebook or Twitter. I mean, I'm not much of a Snapchat or whatever fan, but anyway, but you can't get in there before you find people that are berating and belittle people, before they're calling people uh, gutter sparrows and (laughs) with scrap heap learning, right? Like, I mean, you can't turn it on without getting that from one side or another. Like, everyone just wants to belittle everybody else. I feel like that's like, but those are the conditions... Those are the terms of engagement, you know, no matter where you are, if we're, if you're in line at the Menards, right. And you want to get into someone like you just start calling them names or start belittling them. And I don't, I don't know like why that's our, like why that's our first reaction.
2: Yeah. You know, I, one of the things, uh, I, I don't know if you saw there was a study some, some time back and they, they took people and they, they actually uh, put them together who had different types of beliefs, opposing beliefs, and they put them in a room and, and, and they had agreed to, to talk about it. And at first they went in and they were just, you know, angry and, you know, you, you know, you're a lunatic, you're a moron, you're, you know, Nazi and all this kind of stuff. Well, they ended up just actually being friends at the end. And I think part of the, the whole problem has been that, that, that the social media itself has created these things because, you know, there's no repercussions. You don't see that there's actually a person there with a heart beating and, you know, and feelings and everything on the other end. And so, and there's people trying to whip everybody into all kinds of hate and and so forth, Uh, uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, that's part of it, but it's part of mankind too. I mean, it's, if, if you look at uh, the history of mankind, you know, there's been wars, uh, uh, you know, virtually every year of the existence of mankind. And, you know, at any given time, there's, I don't know, I heard 20 to 40 wars going on in the world. So people, people tend to not, you know, like each other, you know, and, and, and so, uh, but it's, you know, as, as, as Jesus people, we, we want to love people and we, we, uh, uh, we, we have a heart to see everybody come to know Jesus. And, and so we, you know, we need to be like what, like Sean talked about in the latter part of his message. We need to try to be all things to all people that we might win some. And uh, you know try to try to understand them, you know walk in their shoes, try to talk with them and uh, you know and, and find common
1: ground as much as we can. So but I, when I think about like so, I mean, I agree with you, right? Like, we've always been warring. We've always been battling, right? There's always been, we've always had opposition. We've always had enemies, right? But like, when I think about like the cavemen, right? And like what they were battling, it's like there's like one tribe that had fire and one tribe didn't, right? Or one tribe, you know, killed a Mastodon and one tribe didn't, right? And so then there's like this, like, like, what are we fighting about today? Like, what am what am I fighting about at the at the festival checkout line? What am I fighting about, you know, on Facebook? It's like, I've... I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to protect the well-being of my family, or you know, what I mean, I'm not trying to get more land. I'm just trying to be right. Like we're, we've got so much in America that the all for most of us anyway, the all that we have left is just the, the ability to say that I'm right or that I've won. Like that's hardly the, that's hardly a reason to battle. That's hard, especially as a Christian. We don't even right. belong here. We're not even citizens. Certainly not of America. Definitely not of the world. That we're. But this is a stopover on our way to the kingdom of heaven. And so, what are right. we what are we fighting for? If we're not fighting for the kingdom of heaven, why are we picking fights over political parties or county electoral boundaries or I don't know? Like, it just <laughs> feels like it's our anger is misplaced or or disproportionate.
2: Yeah, you know it used to be that uh, uh, you know prior to I don't know five seven years ago or so that you know you could agree to disagree with people and yeah. still be still keep their friendship and you know in fact we could actually laugh at at each other and and laugh at ourselves and you know have you noticed that humor is almost gone in our in our culture? Yeah, you can't make today? jokes. Can't make jokes about anything. All the comedians are having a hard time. Yeah. Making a living, you know, especially if. Uh, If if it's all not directed at at a political bent or whatever, right? But uh, so you know, we uh, yeah, we talked about uh, the other night at uh, downtown when we chatted uh, about the message uh, in in our group or whatever that. That the reason why people, uh, you know, say, you know, call names to other people and so forth and, uh, you know, do these mean and hateful things is really because they're unhappy with themselves, Mm. their own self image. You know, they they really, you know, you know, like, well, just even like the person who brags tries to make himself look better because he really doesn't think he's that good, you know, yeah. or the person that lies, you know, lies to make himself in a better position because he really thinks he's a loser, you know? Right. And, and even, even, uh, our actions of, of anger, you know, when we get all angry and, and so forth, we first are angry at ourselves and, you know, we hate ourselves and then we turn that around and, uh, and so forth. And we, we, you know, we, we project that onto somebody else. And, uh, but you know, Jesus frees us from that and, you know, he, he forgives us and cleanses us and yeah. makes us a new creation. And, and, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we can actually love ourselves, you know, because he's loved us in that way. And we can love others, you know, because he's loved us in, in that same way.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: And so Paul's in a catch 22, no matter how he responded, he was going to be shamed by both sides. And you ever feel like no matter what you do, you're going to be shamed by someone like mask or no mask, sheltering in place or going out in public post or not post by supporting one group. You're rejecting another gathering or not gathering. I can feel that last one.
1: The stone of shame. Yeah. I mean, and it's not even about being on the stone of shame. I just, I feel like here Sean's talking about like how we just want to throw everybody else on the stone of shame. Like we want, you know, like we want to, it says uh, in Galatians, maybe, maybe in, in one of the letters from Paul to a church, he talks about how like uh, it's in the part where he talks about the fruit of the spirit. Right. Faith, goodness, faithfulness, happiness, gentleness. Right, all those things. I don't know what I'm looking at you for. Jim's like 106 years old. He's not going to remember that, but just lo- before. Lo- love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, yep. gentleness, self-control. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere, just before that, and far less memorized, right, are the fruit of the flesh or the sins of the flesh, right? Orgies and drunkenness and right, but in there are things like jealousy and enmity, are those words, right? And we often don't think of those words when we think about sin. We think about the Ten Commandments and being good to my mom, not stealing anything, don't sleep with somebody else, right? And don't kill somebody. We think, yeah, well, I'm pretty good with these commandment things, so I'm not sinning. Listen, Sin is so much more than that, including things like je- jealousy and enmity. And enmity is picking a fight, right? Enmity is making enemies of people. That's what enmity is. And so, you know, I, I used to think I'm, way going, I'm taking a really wide turn here, like I'm driving an 18-wheeler, right? But I feel like when I—because last time we were talking a little bit about war, and I, I, I'd imagine that those people that were Americans that were fighting in Europe against the Germans— Like, that must have been odd. It had to have been odd. I would think it would be odd because, like, you were fighting people that look like you, like, for the most part. I mean, I get that there was Italian-Americans and Irish-Americans, and maybe they looked a little bit different than German-Germans, right? But, I mean, they were still just, like, ethnically, you're fighting yourself, right? That, for some reason, in my head... It's so much easier to say, oh, what, like in Vietnam or in if they were fighting in Japan, it's like, oh, I know that you're the enemy because not just you have a different uniform on, but I mean, like, look at you. And we do that today. We're like, well, look at you like you're dressed like this or you're this skin color or you uh, shop here or you we will just look at you. I know that you're my enemy just by looking at you. And we're not called to that. No. especially as Christians, like none of us as human beings, because we're all the image of God, but especially those that proclaim to follow Jesus, we're not ever called to say, well, look at you.
2: Right. And, and you know, the whole labeling thing is is really a, a terrible thing that that happens in our culture. As soon as we label somebody, whatever it may be, you know, uh, their political views or their their religious views or whatever, then w- when once we label them, then we feel like we don't need to listen to them. They don't have anything that they can say to us. You know, there's, we just turn turn them completely off and, you know, stereotyping and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, people based on, you know, all different things, you know, race, ethnicity, religion, political perspective, uh, you know, persuasion or whatever and so forth. Uh, you know, we're all children of God, we all came from Adam and Eve, you know, we're, you know, we're all of, everybody's our cousin, if you want to look at it that way. And, 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 and we ought to think of, of people in that sense that, uh, you know, and and whatever we do to somebody else is really hurting us. You know, it, it hurts, it hurts the human race too. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just wrong.
1: (laughs) I feel like it's, it's, uh, Oftentimes people will criticize Christians for being hypocritical. They'll say, well, you sit there in that church, right? But then I see you out doing this and I see you doing that. Or I see how you talk to your wife or I see how you treat your kids or whatever, right? And, that, and that's not, not true. That's definitely true, right? That it's, but, um, but I also feel like if out of one side of your mouth, you're talking about how you're a follower of Christ or you're a child of God, but at the other side of your mouth, you're slandering or dismissing, or marginalizing someone because of where they're from or what part of the country they live in or what color their skin is, if you're marginalizing anyone because of that, but at the same time saying what a Christian soldier you are, you can't be both. You can't be both. You can't be, you know, amnific, (laughs) amnifying. I like amnific. Yeah, Uh, okay. (laughs) You can't be amnific and be a child of God. (laughs) And one is a higher card than the other, like, like, you know, who you say you are in God and who God is in you, that trumps everything. That's the ace if it's high aces, right? That's, I don't play cards. Is that what you call when, because an ace could either be a one, right? Or it could be like the king or above the king, right? Is that a high ace? Are, I, I, don't, I don't know. Listen, all the drugs, all the drinking, it, all the everything, you don't know how to play cards? I, I know how to play spades. <laughs> you want to play spades sometimes? I don't know how to play cards either. <laughs> anyway, my point is that is that it being a child of God, being a Christian, trumps everything else, everything else. Yeah. And so to pretend that it doesn't or to pretend that you can be able you can't be both. I got right. berated this week uh, on Twitter about something about this, something about you know the current racial crisis and everything, and and you know this guy was like patriot, you know American, rah rah rah. And listen, I've served my country. My dad served my country. My son served my country. I love my country. I would die for my country. I wrote a check saying that I'm willing to die for my country. Right? Like I like I love my country, but not before I love Jesus Christ and before I serve God. Right. And so.
2: Yeah. And you're, you're also called this to uh, uh, uphold the constitution, not necessarily somebody who's off on some, you know, uh, unrighteous, uh, right. you know, uh, illegal, unlawful, you know, right. you know, whatever vent that
1: they're on or whatever. I guess my point is that we, we're already taking too, it's too long in this one. We got five <laughs> more to go, but I just feel like we have to stop as Christians. We have to stop picking fights. We have to stop, stop choosing sides, unless it's choosing sides over good or evil, sin or n- not sin, right? The, the, that, that's the only line, right? That otherwise, we shouldn't be picking sides based on where people shop or how people vote. Right, totally.
0: I've never forgot how it felt to have someone who knew me at my core be able to recognize when rather than operating in the humility that I was supposed to, I was operating in pride. And you know what? I've known far too many Christians who've stood on the stone of pride with me, who posture and preach like they have all the answers, who think they're saved while you're not. But in the end, when they try to read their earthly resume, Jesus is gonna respond, depart from me, I never knew you. Or oh, I like how the contemporary English version says it, that he will respond, get out of my sight, you evil people.
1: You know, here Sean's talking about this this time when we get to heaven, right? And uh, we kind of lay out our case, you know, for, ah, see what I did, right? And so, and we think that because I'm worried, I'm worried that we think that because we've gone to church. And because we wore sensible clothes and never killed anybody, that that was going to be enough, that we could get to heaven and say, ah, how did I do? Right. And and so many of us will read that scripture verse. And you even put it out in a conversation we recently had where he talks about like, and so like, get out of here, you unlawful people. Right. Right. But too often we think that that just means we're going to get there. And the people that like died before they could go to confession after drinking all weekend or after swearing all weekend or after sleeping around all weekend that if they get to heaven, then, then God's going to d- depart from them. Right. Would you're right. So, but that's not entirely what Jesus is talking about here. He's, he's talking about the church. He's talking about the
2: church. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles, you know, et, et cetera. And, and I will say to them, you know, uh, that, uh, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. For I never knew you. Mm. And so it's it's people going through all the motions, having all the, the 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 proper terms, religious terms, all the checking all the boxes, checking all the boxes. Got the lists for you know what you do and what you don't do, and and they know who's righteous and who's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, and and yet they they don't even know the Lord. And uh, that's uh,
1: boy, what a warning. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the last time we talked, uh, we spoke about how um, it's easy for the church as an institution to set up these kind of like uh, guardrails and these kind of uh, accounts so that if you, you know, if you stay in this lane and you check these boxes or you, you know, then that's what it's going to take to know God. Right. And you can see where the church would have done that as an institution, just so we can like make it a uniform thing. But I feel like when Jesus came, he's like, Hey, listen, it's not about the uniform. It's about your heart in doing those things. These things aren't wrong. Do these things. In fact, he says to the people like do what your, what your teachers and your Pharisees are telling you to do, but don't do it like they're doing it. Don't do it like they're doing it. Don't be like them. Right. So, like, don't do it just to do it or don't do it to check a box. Do it out of the goodness of your heart or out of the kindness and love in your heart. Then that's righteous. The righteousness isn't being able to prove that it's been done. The righteousness is in the doing of it. Yeah. Right? It's, it's the motive. Right. You know, the right. Motive the behind, motive. Exactly. Behind
2: what you do. It's very, very sobering to think about the fact that, you know, both not only your actions, but your motive for the
1: things you do needs to be pleasing to the Lord. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And something that's undertaught. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and so that's where you could, as a, as a church goer, then in these church institutions, you could say, well, yeah, I'm checking the boxes. That guy's not. Yeah. Look at you. Right. So going back to our first, like, look at you for not following the the rules, you know, get out of here. Like, you're not welcome here. Like, You're only welcome if you can get to where I'm at. And so when we were talking, we talked about how life church is one of the few places that we've been where you're like, that's not a thing. Like you, it's, there's not a, like you, there's not a minimum entry requirement Right. But it feels like in a lot of other church communities, there is a minimum entry requirement that you better not look like not me. In other words, you better look like me. You better, you know, worship like me. You better, you know, sin in secret like I sin, right? Like sin, you know, like in one of those small sins that you don't get to see. Yeah. You know, you can't come in here with your big flagrant sins. (laughs) Like keep that stuff out of here. But if you want to cheat on your taxes, then come on in here (laughs) because no one's going to know. Or if you want to look sideways at, you know, the lady that's at work, then come here because no one knows about that sin. And I just feel like that's where Jesus was headed when he said, anyway,
2: the stone of pride. Yeah. The, I mean, uh, People are, are are filled with pride and pride, you know, is a motive behind, uh, you know, most sin, really. And uh, unfortunately, p- when people do become a, a Jesus person, they can oftentimes lapse back into pride. And I told you recently when we were talking about myself, you know, how, how after I had become saved and, and, and knew Jesus that I went through a period where I did get filled up with pride and God really humbled me you know, and, uh, just, uh, there was some, an incident that happened that just, just flattened me, you know, in, in humility. And the best thing that ever happened is very painful. I mean, it took a couple of years to get over, you know, what happened, but, uh, and, you know, Sean had said that, that pride is really just insecurity and, 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 and it's fear, you know, at, at the, at, at the, you know, at the root of it, and pride is again where you 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 try to you know make yourself look better than you really are, you know, better than 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 others. And you lift yourself up, which means to push others down, and uh, it, it's because you 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 know inside in your heart, <laughs> again that you're that the reality is that you're not really that that great, and and you're, you you do it out of fear, you know, fear that people are going to find out who I really am, what a yeah. loser I really am. Yeah, You know, and, uh, but, but Jesus, again, you know, he, 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 he frees us from that. And, uh, you know, what, what is important is that we understand his unconditional love for us and that, you know, he, he, no matter what we do, that he loves us. In fact, he'll never love us any more than he does now. We couldn't do anything to make him love us more than he does now. And if we really understand that, you know, that love that he has for us and uh, and so forth, then we don't have anything to prove. You know, we'll 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 be able to then love others instead of react in all of these other ways. You know, uh, is that-
1: the inverse true? Could we never do anything that would make him love us less?
2: Uh, he's he knows the end from the beginning scott he he knew he knew us before he he knew everything we would do before he ever created any of us from all eternity he knows us right and he calls us all by name you know he knows who you are
1: so if that's true mm-hmm. and you believe that's true meaning that you believe god jesus the whole story right mm-hmm. i say the whole story and i don't mean to say that it's a story <laughs> the whole truth right that if you believe that then really there's nothing that we could be either proud or ashamed of, right? That there's like, like we're all on the same level and there's nothing that we could do that would make God love us more. And there's nothing we could do that can make God love us less. And so there's really no cause for pride or shame, like except for falling short, right? Except, but right. but we're all falling short. So right. that's where we should be coming always from a position of humility, right? And meekness and and acceptance of like anything good that I am, I am because either God made me to do it caused me to do it, enabled me to do it, right? right? Like if we believe all that, then there's no room for pride. No one's at a place in their walk or in their life because of what they've done because it was never done outside of the will or the power of God. Right. Well,
2: I mean, uh, you know, it, it comes down to uh, the fact that, um, you know, God does know us and, and he knows us completely. Nothing takes him by surprise. Our, our worst failures don't surprise him you know if we fall flat in the in the mud puddle you know of sin of so, of whatever kind right. didn't didn't take him by surprise and uh, and and when you know he he's the one who uh, who lowers the, the prideful you know he he the scripture talks about him dealing with the prideful you know because i mean he's all knowing and and uh, omniscient everywhere present he's you know he's God from all eternity he created everything from nothing you know, uh, and en- anyone who would puff themselves up compared to him is <laughs> very foolish. Right,
0: right. I think you better ask yourself which stone you're standing on. Because, you know, I've learned the only way to get off the stone of pride is to recognize pride for what it really is. It's really just insecurity. And insecurity is really just fear. Where's your fear causing you to live in pride? Pride. For the Stoics and the Epicureans, they had become totally unteachable. And even though they were hearing a speech from one of the greatest speakers the world would ever know, with the greatest message the world would ever know, they were closed off and calloused.
1: Here, Sean's talking about the uh, Stoics and the Epicureans, right? Where the Stoics uh were a group of people when Paul was there visiting uh, Athens in Greece. Uh, and Stoics were there. and Stoics uh, were a group of people, uh, philosophical, intellectual people that believed that there was um, that we had an eternal soul, that that the things that we do in this life affect our soul into perpetuity, right? Whereas the Epicureans, they believed that um, that their soul, didn't ha- wasn't eternal, that in fact our soul was like just our consciousness and that whatever we do in this life ends in this life. And so you might as well make yourself happy. You might as well do all the things that make you happy and forget about the consequences because when we die, we die. So eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And so, you know, on that level, I guess we're stoics because we believe that our soul is eternal. And so, but the, this idea of pride and, and, and why we live Like, I feel like, um, we live in such a way that we're not called to accomplish as much as we can, as much as we're called to love as much as we can and, and, and tell the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can, that, that the pursuit of that should be the only thing that we take pride in or that we should take heart in. Does that make sense?
2: Um, well, yeah, I, I can, I can see, I can relate to that. I mean, you know, that's you and I both have the same heart for for the lost and and for seeing people who who don't know Jesus come into that relationship. Um, I think, uh, you know, there in in uh, in Paul's time in Athens, the the Stoics they uh, they they tried to to just deny any pleasures of of the of the. Of, of their body, you know, because they, 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 they believe that it, it would live on for eternity, but they were very, very uh, austere, you know, in the way that they dealt with, with their own bodies. Uh, and, and the Epicureans were the opposite. They just, you know, eat, drink and be merry, you know, just whatever, uh, uh, do everything to the max with, without the consequences. But there's, you know, there's another place in there, too. I mean, we, we can enjoy this life. You know, we're not, we're not called to, to deny the flesh any kind of pleasure. We just want to do to, to everything in, in a way that pleases God and, and uh, a way that uh, 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 that he can, uh, 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 you know, be glorified in our lives as we do the things we do. And, uh, you know, like Paul said with our work, you know, do everything as unto the Lord. You know, as, as if God was your boss and in, in our life we, uh, you know, we have a calling. All of us are called to be missional in that sense of of, of, of you know, thinking of ourselves as missionaries where God's placed us right now. We don't need to go to a foreign land to be a missionary. We, we have a mission. We have people in our lives. That, that that don't know the Lord, or that we can encourage to grow and disciple, you know, and and you know that's part of what we're doing at at, at uh, the downtown churches, where we're we're trying to to grow and 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 get a, a depth of of spiritual growth uh, in, in everyone's lives down there. And uh, so, uh, uh, is this time for the advertisement, Scott?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic because I do I love that. And so this is not paid advertising, but. Like Jim had alluded to, we have both. Oh, and I said it too. I guess we both um, are part of LC Downtown, which is a which is um, a community that gets together on Sunday nights for church. And so it still counts as church. It still qualifies mm-hmm. for going to church if you're uh, keeping track of to-do lister, right? But we do it a little bit differently. We call it the unchurch because rather than doing it in rows and in a lecture format where you just kind of like, I don't know, entertain with some music for a little bit and then get a lecture and then leave. We feel like there's, there's so much similarity between LC downtown and like first century church because when they got together, they didn't get together like in a big fancy building, you know, with air conditioning and fancy fans and rustic wood, right? They got together at someone's house, typically over a meal, right? Where they'd share that meal together. Um, building community, making friends, learning one another about their lives and their burdens and bearing one another's burdens, or right? Caring about one another's burdens. And then they would read a section of scripture and they would talk about it. And so that's what we do on Sunday nights at Life Church Downtown. As we get together, we have a meal, we learn about each other, we learn to love one another, we learn and carry one another's burdens, and then we listen to a talk and then we talk about the talk. Right? Because just like we're just like Jim and I are doing here, this is what we do every Sunday night. Right. Where we get together and we hash it out because Absolutely for some people, just listening to a lecture and walking out like that's not enough even as good as this lecture could be like from sean right but now we double down like if we take sean's great lecture right, and then we talk about it to see what it means to us and to hear what other people's opinions are because you could just sit there and not say anything right you could just sit there and just soak it all in but still even just hearing other people's interpretations helps us to apply it to our lives and we see different means of application
2: yeah and you know uh, there's also not a, a burden that you have to share either. If you want to just come and, and be a sponge and just absorb it all, I yeah. mean that's absolutely there. We don't we don't uh, press anybody to answer any questions, but we do discuss the message and you know we, we divide up in smaller groups. So uh, you know uh, I think ten or twelve is the biggest that we'll will allow a, a, one of our table groups to be and uh, discuss those. And it's it's very friendly. It's very cordial. Yeah, you know and connected uh, and
1: everyone's welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like there's old people like you. There's young people like me. There's like people in between. I'm just kidding. There's old people like you. There's slightly less old people like me. And like there's 20 somethings and 30 somethings and 40 somethings. There's married people. There's single people. There's divorced people. There's people with kids. Right. There's just, I mean, it's everybody. And uh, I love that. I love having that kind yeah. of community.
2: Yeah. It's it's awesome. It's uh, It's like being in a family. Yep. You know, 100%.
0: And I've spent most of my life standing on this stone. I've spent most of my life struggling with loneliness, even while surrounded by crowds. I mean, I was the only one who looked like me growing up. I was the only one who acted like me in college. I was the only one who thought like me when I got into the ministry. Like, like the only one who said, so what if people look like that or think like that or were born like that? I don't really care. How are we going to save them when we're isolating or alienating them? How are we going to save them when we've stopped listening?
1: So I feel like all the stones are related. If they weren't all connected to one big stone, they should have been. Because I feel like this stone of loneliness that Sean talks about is because he stood out or stood up for something that was different than what was was being stood up for on the stone of pride. Because I feel like pride is... The only way you could be prideful is to think that you had all the answers or that you did everything right, Right? that you'd arrived, that you know it all, right? That's the only place that pride could come from. If you're not teachable, you're prideful, right? You're like, I don't need to be teachable. There's nothing you can tell me that I don't know, right? Well, I don't know. I feel like it says somewhere in the Bible that, I don't know, maybe it was in one of the Proverbs or something that that Solomon wrote, but like something about how like the older I get, the dumber I get, right? Like I realize like there's less that I know that wisdom is truly in, in identifying the fact that you don't know everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm, if I'm prideful, it means that I'm unteachable and I love that Sean appeals to people to be teachable, to start listening. Cause we don't know. Right, We don't know. It's like we do the thing that you talked about where we classify people. Oh, you're from the South? In my head, I'm doing the calculation. You're stupid. You work in menial labor, right? You probably are married to at least a cousin, if not someone closer. Like I make all those things. Half funny, half not. They've been so funny for our butts of jokes for so long that those are just the assumptions that I'm really making. I know for a fact, right? I know for a fact that the education system in the South is the worst education system in America. So you're stupid if you're from Mississippi, right? Now, how did I get there, right? That's not teachable. And so if I don't get to know you, I'm just going to let my classifications ride. ride, right? So like if I make assumptions about blacks or if I make assumptions about poor people, or if I make assumptions about rich people or a college professor, right? Like I can do it both ways. I don't have to do it just down for me. I can do it up for me too, where I can, oh, I see you're a college professor at a liberal arts college. Well, I'm going to make all these assumptions about who you are, Right. And when we do that thing where we make assumptions that we don't make ourselves teachable, we don't make room for others at our table.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> he always leaves me these, uh, <laughs> there's a little cliff for you to jump off of next here. <laughs> no, I, uh, interesting, you know, the stone of loneliness that, uh, that, 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 uh, Sean is speaking of is, is most likely his, uh, being focused straight on the Lord, you know, and, and on him, him alone. And, uh, you know, most of the people are going in a different direction, you know? And so, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, in being in, in experiencing loneliness, uh, it's, it's, you know, Part of it is just that that God has put him in a place to to contemplate a lot and to think and to read and to study. I mean, like you know we, uh, we've talked about before. You know, Sean is a scholar. He sure is. He is a scholar, and he's you know he's he 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 connects with people of all different kinds of backgrounds and 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 so forth. But uh, but but he has because of his being you know called to into that with that gift that he has. He spends a lot of time alone. And he studies a lot and he reads a lot and he contemplates a lot. And, uh, you know, there's a, a, a history uh, in the scriptures of, of uh, uh, you know, God calling people to wait and to, to you know, to, to prepare and so forth. And uh, so, um, you know, there's uh, uh, the different stones here. I, I, I think, you know, I. Um, you know, if we were to be on the what, what would you say, Scott, would be the the stone that we should be standing on, of, of all the stones it could be?
1: At? I, I have an idea. So he talked about three stones, right? Right. But what stone? Let's, let's Well, first, let me tell me what the stones are. There's the stone of pride, the stone of loneliness, and the and stone of shame. Shame. Yeah, but. Those aren't the only stones in I the see. world. <laughs> gotcha. There's the
2: rock of ages, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, I see. You know, Sorry, you were trying to set that up for me and I wasn't yeah. picking up what you were laying down. So you're yeah, making like a the, geological reference.
2: Yeah. I mean there's uh, there is there's you know, God is our rock. Yeah, you know, and he's he's the one we need to be standing on. And when we when we put our, our hopes and our trust and our 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 thoughts our you know, our lives uh, uh, when we when we put them on Him and and we live for Him and dedicated you know completely to Him, then uh, you know we're we're going to be fulfilling what He has for us. We're going to be you know trying to reach people as we can to to uh, you know to to be all things to all men and to you know uh, uh, you know just use that gift whatever it is that we have. You know, you have a gift. Uh, of evangelism and, and, you know, and other gifts that, you know, encouragements and, and, and so forth. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a a good place to, to really consider ourselves just to be standing on, on, on
1: Jesus. Yeah. I love that. I love that notion, right? The rock of ages and yeah. Like rock of ages cleft for me. There's a heavy metal version of that. I bet there is. No, I'm just joking. There there ought to be. There ought to be. There's (laughs) a take six version I liked a lot. Anyway. Okay. But it's it's one of those words though, that for me slips into shorthand where I, you and I recognize that and what that means. Shorthandedly, I can say rock of ages. And we know everything that's associated with that. But I'm worried that other people that are like, not new to the Jesus journey, but who are like treating the Jesus journey as a habit, or a hobby, right? Yeah. Like, they're like, Rock of Ages, okay, with your spend time in God, rah, rah, rah. Like, they just they, they gloss over it because they've heard it, but they've not known it. Right. And I just wanted to encourage you to know, like, if you don't know what we mean when we say Rock of Ages, like, ask me or ask Jim or ask someone so that they can explain it to you. Because I'm telling you that I've experienced a Rock of Ages where for my whole life, I would just dismiss this as Rock of Ages. I would just dismiss it as that. It's just a saying, it's a song, it's a poem, it's a lyric, it's a, you know, it's not something real, it's just a clever way to put, and I'm telling you that there's a way to know God as your rock of ages, right, there's a way to know that, and it's real, and so if you don't know that, then you haven't dug enough, dug deep (laughs) enough, I also have the gift of speaking, Jim. <laughs> uh, I, I love misspeaks. They're, yes. they're, they're one of my favorites, no anyway. matter who does them. Anyway. This is one instance where my brain is still working faster than my mouth. And so, um, but yeah, so I just I just wanted to make point that out, that yes, you're right about the rock of ages, and we need to be standing on the rock, but know that that's not just a clever way to talk about God, that it's a really real way of what his relationship with us is. Like Jesus told us to be salt and
0: light. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light Shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Be salt and be light. You know, salt preserves and light illuminates. And he will preserve you and illuminate you so he can use you to preserve and illuminate someone else.
2: Yeah, I, you know, uh, when we, uh, uh, in our you know, discourse with people and, you know, in our our life, the people that comes in and out of our lives, we, you know, we really need to make sure that we're actually, uh, you know, loving them as, as Christ would, would love them. We're sensitive to them. We're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're actually being Jesus people. We're letting him live through us. We're, when people see us, you know, somebody said one time, the only church that people see is our lives or the only Jesus people see is, is our lives. And, you know, so we're, when we, when we let Jesus be what he wants to be in our lives, then, uh, you know, then we, we can be, we will be salt and, and we'll, you know, illumine, you know, and, uh, we, we talked, we talked about recently about how, uh, you know, we, we, most Christians today, the church is, is like a, a a big, uh, like an NFL football game or whatever, there's a whole lot of spectators. There's a whole lot of a whole lot of people in the stands cheering, but there's only eleven guys on each side of the of the field that are playing at any time that are really doing the, that work, that service. And you know, we need to be that. You yeah. need to be like the 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 guys on the field, not just be not just be cheerleaders.
1: You know, right? Yep. I feel like, and I love that. I want to get back to that. I feel like, you know, to that point. Or your point just before where you're talking about like we need to be more like Jesus, right? We need to live like Jesus. We need to live out like Jesus. And I feel like, again, like Rock of Ages, people want to dismiss that saying, I can never be as good as Jesus. I can never be as pious as Jesus right? Like I look at the people that I consider living like Jesus and I can never be as pious as Father John or Pastor Joe or Reverend Bill, right? Like I can never be that pious. So I'm, I'm never going to be able to walk out my life like Jesus. And I'm just telling you that I don't think there's anything wrong with Bill or Joe or John. Like I think that they're probably great dudes, right? But know that they're not, they're not Jesus. That in fact, walking out like Jesus isn't a pious act. It's not, in fact, Jesus talked about don't be pious like people that like put on the garment of piety and Jesusness or godliness or righteousness. Don't be like those people. Don't stand with your fringy garments and your fancy robes and your right. right? He says, don't be that way. So in fact, when we're saying live your life like Jesus did or would or does or wants you to it doesn't look anything like piety it looks everything like humility it looks everything like kindness and goodness and giving and love right let's that's what the living like Jesus lived looks like that's what wwJd looks like it's not perfection it's not piety you know it's like charity and 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 <laughs>
2: Care well, yeah, and you can't, or you shouldn't, uh, you know, try to analyze it too much, analyze yourself too much, you know. Like Jesus said, uh, "Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you when you when you give your alms and so forth." That you know, there should be just this unconscious. It's just part of our nature. It's just who we are. And uh, when people see that the genuineness of us, just you know loving and 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 loving people unconditionally and yeah. and 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 not you know being uh, name calling and and you know uh trying to separate and divide and right you know and so forth uh it's it's attractive in this world really and uh and you know we're trying to at life church and Sean is is the the torchbearer Sean and, and Sunny to to really reshape culture to create a new culture then it's it's attractive to uh, to to the young people today to millennials because they're seeing a, a new way that they can be they can they're seeing a a, a Jesus that they can actually you know, understand and, 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 and know, and, and a a way of living, a new way
1: of living. Yeah, And not even just millennials, right? There's, there's like middle-aged people that have walked away from church because they see the hypocrisy or they see the emptiness or the hollow sound, right? You know, that that practice of faith can sometimes make. And so they're like, there's no meaning in that for me. There's no authenticity in that for me. I'm going through some motions that were created, you know, 600 years ago. I'm like, this doesn't mean anything to me. I didn't make up the motions. Right. Why are you trying to make it matter to me? And so, like, let's go back to like, let's go back to some more original thought. Like, let's rather than reading the commentary on a commentary of a commentary, right? Which is a photocopy of a photocopy of a. Have you ever done that, Jim? Maybe back in your day, they had a mimeograph. Do you remember the mimeograph machine? I feel like I don't know if you know if you know what photocopies are, but no, I do. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> So like if you but if you take a if you make a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy it's a crap copy, hard to read, blurry, right? right. So some of his religion is that is like photocopies of photocopies of photocopies of photocopies. You're like you end up with this blurry mess and like well yeah I'm hanging on to it but it doesn't mean that diddly squat to me. Well let's go back to the original then. Let's forget about the commentary of right. the commentary of the commentary of the commentary. Let's go back to the original. Let's pull out the word right, see what it says and then talk about what it says. And that's what we do at Life Church Downtown. That's what. Sean does. I'd love church and De peer. Like that's just, that's how we've anyway, for me, I can't read a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. Right. I just can't do it. There was a bunch else I was going to say until you said that thing. And now I don't remember any of it. Well, I was talking about being
2: culture changers, and yeah. and, and 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 how uh, you know that's what we're doing here in in uh, in, in Life Church, and uh, and I, I also mentioned that that we we don't want to be the spectators, uh, we right. want to be like the people on the
1: field. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Where yeah. and I kind of made an al- allusion to it earlier, where some people treat their faith, their exercise of pursuit of a relationship with God as a hobby. Like, well, once a week I get together with these guys and I do this thing, right? Like I get together with my stamp collectors group or I get together with my macrame group or my my gardening group, right? I get, it's a hobby, right? And church, right, shouldn't, represent your faith and your faith shouldn't be represented as a hobby. Like church is just, yeah, okay. We do get together once a week, but that can't be the extent of your faith. It's not a place. It's not a clubhouse that you visit where you have a membership card and a uniform. Like that's not what our faith is. Our faith is like an everyday thing. It's a habit, not a hobby. Right. And so I was thinking about this the other day and I try not to tell these kind of stories because I feel like they might come across as my left hand, not knowing what my right hand is doing or knowing what my right hand is doing and talking about it. But like a few days ago, we were up. Uh, I took my kids up to the DeYoung Zoo in- Oh, yeah. Yeah, up in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Menominee, just uh, just north of Menominee. Yep. And I always want to say, na-na-na-na-na, anytime anyone says Menominee. Na-na-na-na. <laughs> Menominee. Na-na. Yeah. I'm hey. going to keep going. Don't yeah. try to no, stop no, no, me from no, no, going. no,
2: no, no Sorry. I, I like the jazz song from Michigan called The Girl from- uh, uh,
1: oh this was only the, the girl from Escanaba dude <laughs> that's super funny anyway so we're <laughs> up uh, north of Menominee did it, and at the DeYoung Zoo and uh, we visited and then we were on our way out and there's like this uh, kind of permanent food truck right across from the entrance. Mm. Really sweet lady. Serves like deep fried everything. Deep fried Oreos and pickles and cheese curds and all this other stuff. Plus sandwiches and anyway. And so we stopped there because the kids wanted to get some food there so we, we did that and I was speaking with a lady and then another woman comes up. She rode her bike up with all of her biking gear on and uh I finished my order and I'm waiting. This biking lady makes her order. And like she asked the lady if she can get some more water in her water bottles. And so I say, well, I mean, if you want, my kid, because her bike was far away, so my my kid can go grab your water bottles if you want to fill. No, no, that's fine, blah, blah, blah. And I said some other things to the trailer lady. And anyway, sat down, had lunch. This lady sat down with hers. I started asking her questions because apparently she's attempting to be the first woman to do this uh, this route around the whole UP in less than 10 days. So she was like this triathlete lady. And turns out she has this group in Hawaii, the Kona kids, that help Marshallese kids get acclimated or assimilated into the Hawaiian culture and to give them a step up, you know, all this great stuff. Anyway, so then she was asking me what I do. And so I was telling her that, you know, I'm a photographer, and the, but I'm also a pastor. And she said, you know, I didn't even need to ask you that. I could clearly see, and how you talked to the lady that works here, to me and how you treated your kids, that you uh, that you knew Jesus. And mm-hmm. so I could totally see that by the way that you lived. I didn't even need to ask you what you did. And again, I'm not telling you that or telling everyone listening that to, to blow my horn, but like there was like a, that was more of a, a an encouragement. reaffirm. To you. Yeah. Right? you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. than anything anyone could ever tell me, right? Because that's what we're supposed to be, that's what we're called to do. Right. By preaching the gospel at all times. This is St. Francis, but it's sometimes use <laughs> yeah. words, right? That live a life where people will know you're Christians by your love, not by your political party, not by the car you drive, not by the title at work, not by not by which friends you have or where you shop or don't shop, but by your love. Yeah, like I think amen. Jesus said that, right? Or did Paul say that? Anyway, Jesus or Paul, one of the two greatest people in the New Testament, right, said that, right? They'll know you're Christians. it's gotta be Paul, by your love, right? And so if someone tells me that I could tell you were a Christian by your love, pff, done, done. And I'm not prideful, I like, I want more of that. I don't know if I, I want more people to know what that looks like or how that works because if I can do it, Lord, I'm telling you, like you talk about your past, <laughs> like if I can do that, if I can, if I can turn my life around I don't even mean that, that sound as dramatic as it is but if, if God can if God can turn me around like he did he could turn anybody around yeah. to live a life where people will know you by your love not by your wiseacre comments or your sexist jokes or your sassy mouth or your like which is what I was right and you know for people to know that I'm a Christian just because of the way that I live that's amazing yeah all right any parting words Jim well, just uh
2: you, you know as as we've been talking about, we need to be genuine Christians and not just uh and not just spectators, uh not just uh uh checking the boxes, uh uh not just coming to church, you know, like it, like it's a country club or something like that. And uh and you know, somebody said one time, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. Yeah and he needs to be your Lord in your life, your master. Lord means master. And he wants to be, he, he wants to have, uh, have you submit your life to him if you don't know him. And he, he, you know, he died for you. He paid the price for your sins. He, uh, you know, he's paved the way for and purchased away a, a place for you in heaven. If you'll just trust in him and, uh, and, and, you know, the last thing we ever would, you know, want anybody to, to hear from the Lord is depart from me for I never knew you. You know, he he wants us to be genuine, real believers, genuine, real Jesus people.
1: Yeah. And just one last thing on that, because, again, some people will hear those words that you use. Right. Like just make. Jesus, the Lord of your life, like give him your life, like turn your life over to him and make him the Lord, make him your master, right? That's really intimidating. If you're just hearing those words as like Lord and master, and what have I got to give up? And I'm not ready to give up all these things to be, you know, a Jesus person because it's not worth it for, you know, potlucks, you know, and, and church afternoons, like, because that, but that's not the story. And this thing, these things that, that, that you might think that God wants you to give up, but if you really made an account of those things, you'd identify that, Oh my gosh, these things are garbage anyway. Like I feel like I'm not ready to give up my something. I'm not ready to give up this, or I don't want to claim that because of, and, but when you really look at it, you're like the things that God's asking you to give up are really just junk. And you find that there's so much more room in your life for love Right and kindness and fulfillment, because the kind of fulfillment that we chase after on our own in our flesh, right, is always always temporary fulfillment. It might last for five minutes, some men three minutes, right, or it might last for an evening, right, or it might last for a weekend, right. But none of that stuff lasts forever, and so before you know it, you got to do it again. You got to shoot it again, or or drink it again, or sleep with it again or buy it again or you know what I mean like all those things are so temporary but this thing about making Jesus your Lord and master right is not as scary as it sounds it's not as dominant as it sounds it's actually freeing it's a relief anyway This was great, Jim. You have to come back again because we need to talk more about these kinds of things. Love to do it. Yeah, I love that. So thanks for joining us here on Chew On That. Uh, You can share this podcast with friends if you feel like there was something here that someone needs to hear because if that's true, you were appointed to listen to that in this moment. And so whoever God's putting on your heart right now, like send it to them right now and say, you've got to listen to that. In the meantime, you can also subscribe to Chew On That on all your favorite podcast channels. Jim, thanks again for being here. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for having me.